2: What do you do when this pandemic reveals cracks in your romantic partnership?
0: The minute the word you comes out, you've lost it. The other person's defenses are up and you're gone.
2: Plus, how did Chef Tyler Anderson go from
3: We laid off about 200 good people and that really sucks.
2: to this. If you could send a message to all the people that you had to lay off, what would you say to them right now?
1: Uh, See you soon.
2: Then how does Anthony Fantano, the internet's busiest music nerd, narrow down three songs that bring him comfort?
1: I find solace in this song because it's at least nice that, hey, you know, at least someone's out there seeing and singing about the fact that, yeah, this is kind of messed up and things are bad. And, hey, maybe we should do something about that.
2: And finally, how 10-year-old Noor is using poetry to put words to her pandemic experience. I'm Kayone Wolf. Be with us after the news. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Us in the Time of Coronavirus. I'm Kion Wolfe. On today's show, find out what difference a month makes with two business owners in the food industry. From painful firing to hopeful rehiring, you'll hear from Chef Tyler Anderson of Millwrights and Square Peg, and Chris Buck from Buck's Ice Cream. Then what songs bring comfort to the Internet's busiest music nerd? sing along with us, and then meet a 10-year-old who's using the power of poetry to free herself while this pandemic has her confined. But first, we start with love and marriage and divorce. According to a report from Bloomberg Businessweek, divorce rates in China have increased sharply after the coronavirus lockdown, so what might this mean for us here in the States as we spend more and more time in seclusion with our partners? I talked with Megan Freed and Kristen Marcroft, who own a family law firm, Freed Marcroft, in Hartford and Cheshire, Connecticut. They specialize in divorce, and I wanted to know what they were seeing we're definitely seeing an uptick in people
4: reaching out. What's interesting is that the way that they're reaching out is also changing. We've yeah. had to sort of adjust to that because we've always had um, like a chat feature um, as available on our website, which has always been fairly active, but it's much more active now. And we've also started, um, we didn't have a way for potential clients to text message us. And we just figured out that we needed to do that. And this, there also is an issue with privacy, people having being able to pick up the phone and call or even go on a computer because they're just, they don't have any privacy. So we figured out that we had to get better better. better at at being available in different ways for people who need our help at whatever time of night and however they can, you know, you know, reach us,
5: communicate with us um, in a a situation where it's like, they're all in a house together. One of the things we've even done with people is set up what they're going to say. If they're, spouse comes in the room when they're on a zoom with us. Right. So, I mean, there are people who are genuinely, you know, in in those environments and they're genuinely, they're scared, they're worried about,
4: and it's not, you know, there's certainly been an uptick in domestic domestic violence as well, which is deeply, deeply sad, though not unexpected. But then, but then there's also people who are just fundamentally like, I don't know how he's going to react if he, it's not that I think he's going to hurt me. I just don't want to add that to my environment right now that I'm also, that I'm contacting a divorce attorney.
2: So you are seeing an increase in people contacting you to initiate divorces? And if so, how is this happening? Are you seeing a trend in terms of how people are getting to this point?
5: So, so one of the things about people in relationships, and this is true for whether it's the breakup of a marriage or just a, you know, the, the break of a long-term relationship, is that what's the moment where you decide that you're not going to do this anymore, that this isn't the life you're going to keep living. One of the things we see in, in normal times is that people engage in things like affairs. We Our subconscious makes us form a catalyst to make a decision where our hand is forced and we make a call because other than that, one unhappy day in a relationship isn't much different than the next unhappy day in a relationship, right? What What we're experiencing here is this, external catalyst that is making people realize that they have a problem Mm -hmm. in their relationship that isn't getting better. And so they're trying to figure out how to solve that. In some cases, it's us. And in some cases, it's a therapist to help them work out You Mm -hmm. know whether or not they want to move forward. But this is really hard and it is exposing cracks. It isn't creating them. Right. But it's- I think that's really a really important point to make that
4: it's not because I think- Reason to feel like weak or guilty or anything. It's it's just it kind of just is what it is. It's not creating cracks, it's not because you're going through a hard thing and you, you know, you're too like weak to, to tolerate it. I mean, this is just th- these this is just an unprecedented thing we're all going through. And something that was already struggling is going to struggle more. That's just human.
2: Now I imagine that in pre-pandemic times, if you wanted to get a divorce, you had to meet in person with your lawyer, they'd meet with their lawyers. How is it working now, especially with the courts? Is is everything different now?
5: The things that are getting um, delayed because the courts are so much less available than normal aren't really the beginnings of a divorce. Right. That's, that's what's so, um, you can still initiate a divorce, you can still file a divorce. And when you have a lawyer, there's very few things that the lawyer can't sign on your behalf. So we just take care of it also. And that's all electronic because the court does have electronic filing. Yeah. And then the other thing is that there was a really important change that was made a few weeks ago that we can remotely notarize. So there's a procedure in place so that, you know, it's on Zoom. We watch you sign and then you mail it to us and then we can notarize it. So. It seems like a little thing, but that keeps people like with the ability to start. Yeah. And we, and, and start not just in terms of filing, but start and doing
4: what should be happening more often than not in the context of divorce anyway, which is just talking right? rather than running off to court. I mean, it's encouraging the bet, the, the way that it should be happening, whether it's, you know, mediations or like just communication between, you know, one lawyers, lawyer, talking or, lawyers, talking to lawyers, that all makes more sense than running off and spending a day, you know, waiting for your case to be called in court anyway. So we still have all of that available to us, and not only, which it always has been, but now given that it's, you know, the, the, really the only option, it's, encur- it's encouraging those things to happen in situations where, you know, if it had been a couple of months ago, court was available, they might not have happened. People wouldn't have been as, uh, might not, in some cases, might not have been as willing to come to the table and have a conversation because they, you know, want to go to court or they think that court is more effective than it, than it can be. Um, so there, there are some upsides to starting it now in terms of, you know, while we can't meet in person, we can still, uh, meet effectively and, and have conversations effectively. And in many cases, uh, settle things effectively.
2: Do you anticipate after the world starts opening up as it will, do you anticipate more people saying, okay, now I can start working on my divorce?
5: We tend to see a spike in the number of people who call us in January. There's generally a post-holiday spike. And a lot of times in that case, the holiday season is the catalyst, right? Uh, Oh my gosh, too much not doing that again, right? I think that this is probably analogous to that in some ways, like a really extended, less fun holiday season, mm-hmm. right? That I think that there will be an uptick. My hope though, is that people don't stay in relationships that don't serve them yeah. just because life feels a little normal again. I think that we should take this note. Mm-hmm. I've been in both kinds of relationships I like this one.
2: <laughs> you guys deserve it. And you had to get there through a lot of painful decisions. Right. right.
4: Kind of, it's almost the only way. I mean, you can't, if you're in a, you know, not great one or one that just isn't what you thought it was going to be or what you wanted for your life, there's only one way to get to a different one.
5: Or is no longer what it was. Right. I mean, I mean that, th- there's not, not a lot of great yeah. marriages and right. great relationships that just changed.
6: Yeah, And that's uh, okay.
5: Yeah, that's, I mean,
4: there's, you know, that's okay. I think some of this is people giving themselves permission to just accept that and not have shame around it and embrace their right as a human being to, to be happy. That That is, I mean, that's our message more than anything else. Like, I don't, I'm not interested in breaking up happy marriages. I'm, I, I mean, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not trying to break up my own or, or, or want somebody else to so that they can make a, you know, a fee. But I just firmly, you know, truly deeply believe that the world, that happy people make the world better. And I think so much of that, a relationship is so, is, is, is a part of that, whether it's your relationship with yourself and you're not in a bad relationship or it's your relationship with yourself and you also are in a,
5: in a happy relationship. I think at the end of the day, the, the world is better served by that. I want to come out of this, not clinging to the familiar. I want right. to come out of it, recasting what works and what doesn't and right. keeping the, what, what works and right. building a future in accordance. I mean, I've realized a lot of important things during this. Mm-hmm. And I think that we do service to ourselves if we don't forget those the moment we can sit in a restaurant. Right. You know,
2: That's right. That was Megan Freed and Kristen Marcroft of Freed Marcroft, a family law firm based in Hartford and Cheshire, Connecticut. Now, if you're finding that spending more time with your partner or spouse is truly straining your relationship, divorce isn't necessarily inevitable. I talked with Trevor Crow Molyneux, a couples counselor and family therapist. She has offices in Riverside and Westport, Connecticut. I asked her how we can use simple time-tested tools to keep connected and what some changes are in what she's hearing from her clients.
0: Uh, Well, the heightened level of anxiety is not at all surprising, and it's real and clear. Obviously, it's upsetting to all of us. I think none of us are escaping that extreme worry about you know, getting an illness you can't see and you can't actually fight. I believe that we're all sort of in this more cracked open place, so we're much more... Our feelings are way, way up at the surface, I think, for every one of us because of all this anxiety and fear... And because of that, I see people sharing more and being more in touch with how they're feeling, being compassionate to themselves and to their, you know, the people that they're quarantining with. I know we're we're a species that's wired to connect. So this desire to share our anxieties with one another, to be able to speak of our fears and say, look, I do need you in this. Those are all good things that I think people at times forget to express to one another.
2: Now, on the flip side, if people are feeling more anxiety and depression and fear than they ever have, and they're not vocalizing it, they're not sharing it with their partner, is that something you're seeing too, and, and what then?
0: Yes. <laughs> so, so this is the flip side, which is uh, the couples that have trouble communicating, have a difficult saying what their needs are and how they're feeling, you know, this anger and resentment builds over time. And oftentimes I'm hearing people really getting very angry and distanced from their partner while in the same house. And that's, that's tough. Unfortunately, the really saddest part of all this is I know that domestic violence is up 27, 30% in some places. And so that part is extremely scary for, for any of us who work with couples. I have been, helping some clients learn to, you know, sort of coaching them through using I statements and core words instead of criticism and blame. So I always say to my couples, the minute the word you comes out, you've lost it. The other person's defenses are up and you're gone. But the minute you say, I'm not going to assume what just happened right there, those decisions of those words, they landed me on on me and this is the way I t- I feel about it.
2: Yeah, that reminds me of, I remember hearing somewhere that beginning... A hard conversation with, you know, the story that I'm telling myself about what just happened is this, that acknowledges that this is a story you're telling yourself, Mm -hmm. this reaction to this grimace or this action that feels like a slight, it is a story you tell yourself. And that way you're, you're being honest with how you feel, but also you're kind of removing yourself as well.
0: Right. Well, if we can step away from making an assumption, and this is what we all get into, we see the behavior. I call it a quantum level. When couples have been together so long, they react to each other's energy. They're not even, it doesn't even take an eyebrow going up. You know, <laughs> they are so attuned to one another's changes in the energy level in the room that they're reactive before they are even a word said or a behavior done. So I try to say to them, you know, the beauty is the attunement that the problem is the assumption. If you're going straight to the assumption of such an He's walking out the door because he's this or that. You're making an assumption of what his actions mean without stopping and going, okay, so what was that? You know, you walking out the door, I feel abandoned by you. I know you're not meaning to make me feel abandoned, but when when I'm upset and you can't show up for me and you literally get in your car and drive away, I get to this like really escalated, really, really scared place. Like, do I know he's going to come back? You know, I go to my panicky spot, right? Whereas he is probably in this place of like, oh my God, if I say another word, she's going to get even more angry and it's safer for the couple. I'm going to protect her and me by leaving. Hmm. It's not, I'm being an and I just don't care. It's the opposite. I care so much and this is the only behavior I know to deal with this.
2: And so reframing how you communicate what's freaking you out can be really, really powerful.
0: Exactly, exactly. And just to be able to say, I'm so scared of this. I... Need reassurance. And by the way, the best thing we can do is cuddle and hold each other. Like skin to skin is the best way to calm down. It's literally your your hub drug, the species, has set it us up so we get into an oxytocin little high. And you can come down and feel each other and all that good stuff starts. It's the opposite of your parasympathetic nervous system. So we have fight, freeze, or flee when we're getting escalated and upset and feel under attack. But when we hold hands or hug and snuggle, it literally calms us down. Our breathing gets deeper. Our heartbeat goes down. We sink up. It's like the best thing you can do.
2: Now, for those who are experiencing that this pandemic and the circumstances around it are truly, truly revealing. Mm-hmm. the gaps and the cracks in their marriage yes. and they yeah. are they are like oh, okay this is totally proving that this is not gonna work
0: so I've got a little of everything in my practice so I've got a couple that figuring out if this is going to be a divorce or if it's going to be a separation it's too early to be even separated because you can't well you could move out right now but it's pretty hard to do they're having really clear new conversations they never had in their 20 plus year marriage which is a gift to everyone to really understand what fell apart, to be able to take personal responsibility for the places that each of them didn't show up for the other and then being forgiving and understanding and compassionate for, okay, we really did try this. It's just not gonna work. That is that's a whole nother area. Like I have a friend who, who literally just specializes in helping people unwind divorces as a therapist because you know what happens is People come in, they try to work on their marriage and then they, they make the announcement, we're done and they stop therapy and they go straight to a divorce attorney. So actually, I like to recommend my clients who are heading towards divorce to go to talk to somebody who's really understands the system, will help them unwind and actually it will cost it costs them less. But they also learn to get the emotional divorce in the process. So there's you know the legal divorce, but there's also an emotional divorce. And usually one person's leading the way and they're already out. And the other person's discovering, oh, my gosh, that person's gone and I didn't know it. And they're, they're playing catch up.
2: Now, in some of my conversations with people about this topic, this quote has come up and I'd like your reaction to it. If your marriage can't withstand a pandemic, then you shouldn't have been in the marriage in the first place. How do you respond to that?
0: OK, so I believe whatever you're in right now, you're supposed to be learning from that. So I don't think there's any relationship that it was never supposed to be. It is. And to maybe find the joy and the goodness and the positives in that relationship. Again, I'm stepping away from a emotionally or physically or sexually abusive. You know, that's a whole different topic. But if there's a relationship that isn't surviving something like this, a pandemic, again, I'm a couple therapist, so I'm always looking for ways to get people to talk and maybe heal and feel a little differently. And this gives us an opportunity to be really clear but if you can't, then yes. Then start talking about how do we do this compassionately with kindness and grace and unwind this thing. And again, I am such a believer in don't beat yourself up for, for a relationship that was successful for a time, but now maybe needs to be unwound. It's not a failure. It's something that you probably learned and gained a lot of perspective from. And it was probably a gift, but maybe it's time for something new.
2: A different gift.
0: A different gift, <laughs> I do believe that if we all get better at these basic skill sets, I statements, core words, we can get through pretty much everything.
2: That was Trevor Crow Molyneux, a marriage and family therapist based in Fairfield. After the break, we travel back in time to the early days of the pandemic mid-March to hear how one restaurateur and one owner of a 70-year-old ice cream business were handling the beginning of the state shutdown and how they're doing now. That's us in the time of coronavirus after the break. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Us in the Time of Coronavirus. I'm Kyone Wolf. This was Chef Tyler Anderson talking with me on March 18th.
3: We laid off about 200 good people, and that really
7: sucks.
2: And this was us on April 20th. If you could send a message to all the people that you had to lay off, what would you say to them right now?
7: Uh, See you soon.
2: To hear how we got from there to here, here's a bit more of my conversation with Chef Anderson, who runs a number of restaurants, including Millwrights and Simsbury, and his newest spot, Square Peg Pizzeria in Glastonbury. In our March 18th conversation, I asked him what his priorities were as the state was shutting down.
3: So right now, I mean, my priority is I guess keeping my family safe and figuring out a way to get industry people what they need to survive. You have a lot of restaurant owners who are sort of thrown into this crazy situation. Of mandatory closure, for a lot of us, it's like batten down the hatches and figure out what we can do. And then at the same time, we're like very, for the most part, like nice giving people. We like to make people happy. And so our a lot of our efforts are being turned towards people in need who at this moment are our employees.
2: I'm almost afraid to ask this next question, but for your industry, what is the worst case scenario?
3: I guess it's a twofold thing. Number one, there's a collapse in the economy and people are so tight with their money. Once this all reopens that they just don't go back to restaurants. Um, Number two is that there's no assistance If I had to guess, I'd say we're going to fall somewhere in the middle there. I think once this is all lifted, people will come back to restaurants. I think they'll come back raging into restaurants, but I also think everyone's economic situation and life situation is going to be different after all this. So I think you'll generally see a slowdown in restaurants for quite a while.
2: Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to say?
3: We're going to try to roll out this thing called family meal. You know, restaurants are often asked to do things for charity and give donations, and we've always been very, very happy to do that. But, like, it's our people now who need help. So family meal in a restaurant is where you put out a meal for all your employees, and they come and eat. And, like, growing up, one of the perks was, you know, we didn't make any money in the restaurant, but we always always ate pretty well because we got free family meal. I want to establish seven different sites, uh, restaurants, where... Restaurant employees who are laid off out of work can come and get a hot meal, carry out to go. And we're starting it at Millwright's this Tuesday. Laid off restaurant workers will be able to come and grab a hot meal for two. We're asking that it's only one per household. I'm currently searching for corporate sponsors and think I have one uh, who's going to donate the food to the restaurants. Um, And then we just need more restaurants to jump on board so that we can fill up the seven days a week of need for these workers, but I think what it'll do is not only get food into the hands of people who need it, but also give these people something to do, you know, like they'll be able to leave the house, come out to Millwrights, grab something, eat it in the parking lot, say hi to their friends as they're coming in and out, you know, it's obviously we don't want to promote gathering, and we want to, uh, in Hartford County, certainly obviously beyond, uh, want to try to fill up these seven days.
2: That was Chef Tyler Anderson in March. When I reconnected with Chef Anderson earlier this week, I asked how family meal was going.
3: We started doing fifty meals a week at Millwrights for two people each, uh, and the demand slowly went up from there. And you know, kind of a one thing I didn't want to do is have people drive all the way to Millwrights and then not have food. So we upped the um, we were able to up the count that we're doing at Millwrights to like seventy-five meals for two a week, and then we'll probably be doing a hundred meals for two in a couple of weeks, just based on the need. Some other restaurants have gotten on board. Rico is on Sunday. Flanders is on Wednesday. Roya in New Haven is on Thursday. And then Harry's Bishop's Corner Pizza is on Friday. So this week we'll feed over a thousand people.
2: And these are all people in the food industry who have been let go, right?
3: Yeah. And so many of them, you know, haven't even received unemployment checks yet. And they were, you know, I feel like these are a lot of the people who are most affected because this started for us, meaning restaurants months ago when our volume started to decrease those you know we have all these tipped employees as volume starts to decrease obviously their direct compensation decreases as well
2: and what would be besides an end to the pandemic and a safe return to people going out to eat whenever that'll be what is like your dream scenario right now
3: huh great question the, the thing that scares me most, and the thing that scared me most was laying off all these people was the worst thing. I would say the thing that's the most daunting to me is reopening the restaurants with a bunch of directives that may not be all that restaurant friendly. I mean, I just hope there's a very clear vision from leadership on what they expect, but I think either we're open or we're not. Keep us closed until you're ready for us to operate at almost 100%.
2: Do you expect to adapt in other more subtle ways, like spreading tables apart, uh, things like that?
3: Yeah, I mean, if you go to my restaurants, the tables are all pretty spread apart, especially Milreich's. Um, we're not like jammed in like crazy, but there's other like more buzzy restaurants, like Brico, like my friend Billy. If they if they put occupancy rules on Billy, he'll have a very hard time because he has a high rent. He has a relatively low check average and he needs turnover. And the volume of Brico is so high because it's such a great restaurant that, you know, the occupancy thing will really hurt him. So I don't love it. And I don't love it for a lot of my friends before me. But
2: yeah. Can I ask you if you could send a message to all the people that you had to lay off? What would you say to them right now?
7: Uh, See you soon.
3: You know, we donated 50% of gift cards to our employees who needed it. So we sort of put it out there, like, who has need right now? So I would say just hold tight and, like, see you soon. That
2: was Chef Tyler Anderson. Keep up with him at cheftyleranderson.com. Back on March 17th, I talked with Chris Buck, who runs his family business, Buck's Ice Cream, in Milford, Connecticut. He was just beginning to get a grasp on how the restaurants and stores that carry his products were adapting to the state's shutdown.
7: We made a ton of phone calls today to our customers to see uh, if they were going to be still open. Most of them are still open, but they are obviously can only do takeout and delivery, which Obviously, it's very difficult to do ice cream for takeout, so we're seeing a huge downturn in in our business.
2: What are you thinking might happen in the near future with your staff?
7: Obviously, we don't want to (laughs) let anybody go, but that is a definite possibility at some point if this continues.
2: How are you mentally coping with all this?
7: (laughs) Because uh, not only am I responsible for eleven other employees, but you know there's a chance that I would lose my income as well if we had to shut down, even temporarily, you know, due to a lack of sales.
2: How are you feeling?
7: Stressed. <laughs> it's tough to think about the fact that your business went from you know normal sales to pretty much nothing overnight. So I'll be a little stressed for the next couple of weeks, at least.
2: Will you say how long Bucks has been around?
7: Uh, we've been in business for 70 years.
2: Seven 70?
7: 70. My grandfather started in 1950.
2: Has it ever been this threatened?
7: We've had our ups and downs, you know, like any business that's been around as long as we have but I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this. So,
2: Any words of uh, encouragement or hope for the people you usually partner up with?
7: You know, hang in there. Support small businesses as best you can. Obviously still following all of the recommendations that they're putting out there now, but it's going to be tough on a lot of small business. So do whatever you can to support them. And take care of yourself at the same time.
2: That was Chris Buck of Buck's Ice Cream back in March. I caught up with Chris earlier this week, and I wanted to know if he let any of his people go.
7: We wound up shutting down production on the 20th and laid off all non-family employees, which weren't happy about doing, but unfortunately when sales dropped 95% overnight, you don't really have too much of an option. We did actually wind up being able to bring back three out of the six non-family employees this week.
2: What precipitated that?
7: We do some privately labor for Stu Leonard's. And obviously the retail ice cream industry has been doing fairly well.
2: It's funny you mention that, Chris, because I interviewed... A grocery store floor manager. And I was asking him about what kind of foods sort of surprised him that people were picking up right as everything started getting crazy. And he said, first of all, ketchup <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> and then he said ice cream.
7: Yeah, ice cream is a comfort food. And when people are stressed, they're looking for something to have that can comfort them.
2: So you're telling me that our stress helped you rehire three people?
7: Yes, unfortunately.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome.
7: (laughs) Obviously, it's not enough to maintain long term, but at least in the short term, it's helped us out.
2: What do you think the next big step would be in terms of getting more income and rehiring even more people? What would have to change in the state and in business for a real improvement to your business?
7: Well, I mean, we we did apply for the Paycheck Protection Program. We're still waiting for those funds to come in, but we do have an approval from our bank, so that would definitely help. And then I believe I read something today that the governor outlined what needs to happen with the pandemic to reopen the state full-time, and I believe one of the things was either hospitalizations, need to decline for 14 days in a row which we're at two i believe now in connecticut so we're probably looking at least two to three weeks more of this at least um and obviously i don't want things to open too early and then extend the shutdown period because that hurts me even more so people just need to stay home do what they're asking people to do as far as social distancing and Wearing masks and buying ice cream.
2: (laughs) I will take an order of mint chocolate chip and cookie dough and coffee and peanut butter fudge.
7: I can make that happen.
2: (laughs) That was Chris Buck of Buck's Ice Cream out of Milford, Connecticut. Next up. Music is a very helpful way to process our emotions, so I asked Anthony Fantano, the internet's busiest music nerd and host of the Needle Drop Music Review channel on YouTube, to talk about three songs that are bringing him comfort right now. Then you'll meet a 10 year old West Hartford resident who's using her writing skills to make sense of COVID 19. I'm Kyone Wolf. That's next on Us in a Time of Coronavirus. Be right back. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is us in the time of coronavirus. I'm Kyone Wolf. If you've listened to Connecticut Public Radio for a long time, you might recognize this voice.
1: This is The Needle Drop. I'm Anthony Fantano, your host and the internet's busiest music nerd.
2: Anthony started off as an intern here on Connecticut Public Radio, and then he created and hosted The Needle Drop on our airwaves for four years. Then, he headed off on his own and developed his music review channel on YouTube, which now connects with over 2 million subscribers. He's become not only a household name in the music review world, but he's mentioned in popular songs, animated and music videos, and his rating system, Light 7, A Decent 5, A Strong 1, or the feared Not Good, has been turned into an Instagram filter that over 100,000 people have downloaded. I asked Anthony to send me three songs that he was finding comfort in these days. The first song you wanted to talk about was Hopelessness Blues by Fleet Foxes. Cry like a little tiny baby when I heard it, <laughs> and I—I have no idea. I can't quite put my finger on why. It, but tell me about this song. Tell me why you chose this one.
1: Thematically, this—this this is really a song about our generation. In that, you know, when, when you look at the fact that so many, so many millennials are coming out of school with no jobs, not being able to work in whatever field. Uh, that they would like to, not being able to buy houses, start families, and then something like this happens. And, you know, just before this song dropped, we had the, the housing crisis and, and all of that. And, and this track is essentially a reflection on not being able to, I guess, socially acclimate and and sort of contribute to society in the same way that maybe other generations previously had been able to. You know, not not being able to Become not in a negative way, not in kind of a sheepish or a dronish way, but uh, become a cog or become a part of something greater societally that previous uh, eras of American culture may have had sort of presented to them in some way, shape, or form. And and this track, "Helplessness Blues," is, is really just kind of a, a reflection on that narratively. I I would like to think. Um, on top of it, the music kind of reaches a grandiosity that I feel like a uh, Robin Pecknold sort of sees himself as just kind of an individual working into wanting to again be a part of something greater that's kind of what the uh, the song is, is is really just kind of comes down to longing for that.
2: Yeah, and especially where we are right now where it seems like everything's up in the air and also all these inequities are clear as day to people that it wasn't clear as day to. There's this line in the song What's my name? What's my station? Oh, just tell me what I should do. I don't need to be kind to the armies of night that would do such injustice to you or bow down and be grateful and say, sure, take all that you see to the men who move only in dimly lit halls and determine my future for me. It just seems so crazy right on all the time, but especially right now to so many people who are suffering.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, It's, it's also just about a lack of control too. It's almost as if he would be happy to give up that control if it were for a better purpose but he's instead mourning the fact that he doesn't have it and instead what's being done in his name or what's being done in the halls of power is just really dark and really negative and just destructive
2: yeah well let's move on to the next one you sent it's by HMLTD it's called blank slate with Okay, Anthony, tell me about this song, and tell me about HMLTD.
1: HMLTD is uh, just a new up-and-coming band from the UK, and uh, this uh, uh, track comes from their debut record, which is uh, one of my favorite records of the year so far. And uh, the album itself in general is uh, <laughs> is pretty dark and uh, is, is very much a big reflection on Humanity's many flaws and negatives and downsides. However, this track is is one of the final songs from the record and ends things on a somewhat positive note. And uh, the message of the song is essentially, over this just very heavy, pounding, uh, anthemic, and uh, almost uplifting chorus, is that yes, man, woman, wh- whatever you want to say, it, it, it's it's all kind of messed up. You know, humanity, we're broken, we're busted. Um, we've really messed things up. However, the philosophy of the track is that we are a blank slate. You know, so our, our future is unwritten. You know, we we don't have to go down this path. There's nothing like DNA-wise hardwired into us to say that things need to be this deadly, things need to be this destructive, things need to be this ineffective. Um, the future is what we make it, essentially. So that, that's that's kind of the message of the track leaves us off with. While it's not uh, an implication that things are going to get better, it's uh, telling the audience that if we make the right choices, we could be looking at a better future instead of the the grim outlook that we're facing right now.
2: Although we definitely are still going to be struggling with all the inequities and challenges and systems that we've been up against this whole time, there is there is a sense of like a reset right now for many of us that we're taking this time Isolated, if we can be isolated, to try to recalibrate and see what's next for us to the degree to which we can change
1: it. Sure. I mean, right now, uh you know, not to get too deep into numbers and statistics and everything, but we're, you know, we're starting to look at unemployment numbers that are going to rival that of the Great Depression. I mean, along with that time in, you know, America's past came great social change and lots of rights and benefits for workers and the lower and middle classes. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, there were all sorts of uh, racial barriers to a lot of that. I mean, society obviously didn't become this great, amazing, equal thing as a result. But I mean, as far as uh, uh, for workers generally, things did get a little bit better. And I would like to hope that, you know, the the, the huge amount of suffering that is coming as a result of this will, will amount to something, you know, will, will result in something, will create some kind of change where, you know, those in power or people just in general feel like, you know, hey, I'm I'm kind of owed something here. You know, there's there's no reason that uh, uh, the society I live in should just you know uh, leave me stranded and stressed and alone and unprotected uh, during this time.
2: <sighs> it's making me feel better already, Anthony. Thank you. All right, let's move on to the next song, <laughs> Father John Misty, and this is his. I don't know if you call it like an opus. It's a beautiful song, pure comedy.
8: Now the miracle of birth leaves a few issues to address Like say that half of us are periodically iron deficient So somebody's gotta go kill something While I look after the kids I do it myself, but what? Are you gonna get this thing it's milk as soon as he gets back from the hunt we can swim it's hard not to fall in love with something so helpless ladies I hope we don't Show.
2: Okay, Anthony, I don't even know where to start with this one. This is amazing. I don't think I've ever heard anything quite like this. Tell me why you chose this song.
1: This, this is a choose-your-own-adventure type of segment because the, the the ending message of this song is actually quite different than that of the HMLTD uh, the HMLTD would would like to think that uh, our future is pretty open-ended and we are very free and and uh, very much in a position to change it if we wanted to uh, father John Misty's opinion is more that we're doomed and uh, <laughs> that we're going to keep making <laughs> the same mistakes over and over and over uh, while coronavirus is obviously very much a product of uh, the natural order the way that we respond to it is you know uh, riddled with human and error. You know, I, I think, uh, uh, I find solace in this song because it's, it's, at least nice in this era of fake news, disinformation from the president and people who are just outright ignoring this thing that, Hey, you know, at least someone's out there seeing and singing about, uh, the fact that, yeah, this, this is kind of messed up and things are bad and things are wrong. It's, it's almost, it, it seems like sometimes it's hard to find that validation. You know, it, it it seems like a lot of the time society would much rather you just kind of get along with whatever's kind of being thrown in your direction. And there's uh, nothing wrong with taking a break and kind of realizing, yeah, this is kind of messed up. And, hey, maybe we should do something about that.
2: And the end of the song says, just random matter suspended in the dark. I hate to say it, but each other's all we got.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. You know, it it is... Uh, not the most comforting message in the world, and he's he's very much of the opinion and of the mindset that like, you know, we're just we're just specks of dust, kind of floating in the galaxy, which <laughs> with, is both with,
2: like comforting and terrifying, and then comforting and terrifying. All yeah, over I mean, again. the the
1: only thing that prevents all of us from feeling that way is just ego. You know, the the fact that we have kind of the self awareness and sense of self. You know but hey, I mean, simultaneously you you already know if there were any kind of alien race with the ability to kind of listen in and spy on us at a distance, they wouldn't be coming around here you know they, they, oh, no they're, no they're avoiding they're avoiding
2: I would go ludicrous speed past us <laughs> forever <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, Anthony Fantano, thank you for talking to me. thanks for the music
1: thank you for talking to me and thank you for asking me about music. <laughs>
2: I figured you're the guy to talk to.
1: Yeah, you know it's 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 really my only qualification. I <laughs> know. You get one. You get one.
2: <laughs> you can find Anthony Fantano and his prolific work at the drop. Finally, meet Noor. She's 10 years old and living in West Hartford. I asked her what she does to pass the time since she, like all of us, can't go out to play with her friends.
6: I play with my sister a lot. I do practice my piano. I sometimes help my mom cook. I do a lot of online learning. And once in a while, I'll go on my Wii.
2: What do you like to play on the piano?
6: Well, what I have to practice. So I don't really like any of it, but I do it anyways. <laughs> Classic
2: story of of the young playing instruments. It's good for your brain, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. After this is all over, what's the first thing you want to do?
6: I'd probably want to meet my friends outside and say hi and bike around.
2: When you ride a bike, you wear a helmet, right? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> it's very important. Plus, helmets are cool. Shows that you're smart. <laughs> I hear a lot of people talking about how. They look forward to being hugged. And so I wonder, like, do you hug your mom more now? Like, do you feel like you want more hugs in general? Yeah, I do hug her a lot. More than you did before this? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you could say anything to the coronavirus, what would you say?
6: For my first school, like, writing assignment for online learning, we had to write a poem about something. And so I wrote about it. And it was called That Thing. Can I read it? I'd love if you would. Uh, That Thing. It's scary. It's my worst nightmare. It's spreading. It's hurting people. It's telling friends not to see each other. It's not helping the universe. It's locking people up. It's everywhere. It's risking lives. It's not keeping us safe and healthy. It's out to kill. That Thing is here right now.
2: Wow, Noor, thank you for sharing that. That was really powerful.
6: Well, is there anything that you wanna say that
2: I've not asked you about?
6: I would wanna say that I've gained a lot of freedom. I used to only be able to watch TV on the weekends and now I can watch on the weekdays. Like, also, I would ha- if I went biking, I- my mom would have to walk besides me and I'd have to go really slow. But now I would say, Mom, I'm going out to bike. And she'd be like, OK, fine.
2: Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Wear your helmet. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Noor, from West Hartford, Connecticut. What stories are you hearing that we should know about do you have a young person in your house who has wisdom to share? You can contact me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kion Wolf, and my email is cwolf at ctpublic.org. Us in the Time of Coronavirus was produced by me and Katie Tolarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford. The theme music is called This Is the Song by Punch Brothers. You can find more information and subscribe to the podcast at ctpublic.org slash us. Now, because there's a pandemic, we at Connecticut Public Broadcasting thought you'd rather hear more news and programming instead of our usual spring fundraising pitches. So we've been asking for donations online and you have really showed up for us. We have welcomed in so many new and renewing members that frankly, it's kind of blowing our minds. So please keep blowing our minds and become a renewing member right now. You can do that at ctpublic.org donate. And there's a place for you to write in your comments. So please let us know what you think and what you need. Thank you for keeping us strong. Until next time, stay safe, wash your hands, and may tomorrow be a better day.